you to know that the mothership has landed. It's DA on CBS Sports Radio. What's up, my brother? I want permission to come aboard the mothership. Asking permission to join a sports talk spaceship? Well, we're all a little crazy. The mothership has connected. The mothership. The, the, the mothership. Let's go back. Happy. Friday to you, North America. The mothership has connected. Welcome aboard. It's the four-hour lunar eclipse limbo. DA with you from the CBS Sports Radio studios in New York City. Broadcasting to affiliates nationwide and north of the border. Anchorage to Atlanta, Sacramento to Savannah, Kalamazoo, and Waterloo hey, are on the air. They listening, D.A., everything we saying, D.A., everything. And we appreciate you being with us on this Target Demo Friday. We shall release the Kraken coming up later on in the morning. That's the meme that symbolizes you to let us know where you are, how you're listening, and your own personal football food of the week. We'll do that coming up here later on in the program. Also, drop it on by the DA show this morning. Randy Cross, College Football Hall of Famer, CBS Sports, College Football Analyst. We'll talk about the weekend that will be around college football. Certainly the best weekend thus far of the college football season. And perhaps the best Saturday we'll have in college football this year. We'll talk about it all with Randy later on in the program. Also, it's the winter demand. The winter demands. Coming up later on in the program, the wizard getting hot at the right time. After an 0 for 4 in week 1, a 1 for 4 in week 2. Feel good. But we begin last night, Thursday night football in Santa Clara, California. The 49ers against the Giants. Giants were already playing shorthanded without their left tackle, Andrew Thomas, without their running back, Saquon Barkley, on the road in a short week after having to use all of their energy to get by the Cardinals last Sunday. And it showed last night. That Niners team completely suffocated Daniel Jones to the Giants' offense all night long, holding them to just 12 points. Meantime, the Niners, even without Brandon Ayuk, put up 30, and it was an easy victory for the 49ers. Was this evidence the Niners are the evi- are the NFC's best team? It is where we begin. You're cold open. Purdy in the gun. McCaffrey to his right. Warner comes underneath. Play action. Purdy back time. Throws over the middle. Caught by Debo. Samuel makes a man miss. A second man. A third man. He runs out of his a tackle. Fourth a fourth man. Debo can't be tackled. They finally drop him on the giant 33-yard line. He broke four tackles on that play. That's not the way I think. Uh, I just try to get every yard possible for it's like moving the chains and stuff. But um, it's just my mindset. I'm not just going to fall to the ground. Just like allow one person to bring me down. And here's Purdy going to throw one deep wide for Debo. Made the catch on the back shoulder. Touchdown! San Francisco! And a back shoulder banger for Debo Samuel. It's huge. Um, Obviously, you want to win every game. But, um, you know, we have a high standard. We have a a standard that, you know, we want to be the best versions of ourselves and and um you know so for us it's sort of like yeah we win we win the game which is most important which is great 
Um, but there's stuff out there that we can, you know, clean up and be, and be better at. He's playing well. He's played very well since he's gotten an opportunity to get in there. Um, he's hasn't made many mistakes, and he gets the ball in our guys' hands and um, reads the coverages right too. And when stuff isn't there, he's, he makes a lot of plays to keep us on the field, and uh, he's done a hell of a job. I don't believe it. The most amazing, sensational, dramatic. It's DA's top story. Here he goes. It's your cold open. Greg Papa on 49ers Radio. You heard Debo, Brock Purdy, and Kyle Shanahan. 30 to 12 win for the 49ers. That's the eighth consecutive victory by Brock Purdy as the starting quarterback in the regular season. And this 49ers team is right now the best team in the NFC. And after the injury to Trayvon Diggs yesterday, starting corner of the Dallas Cowboys, that takes the Cowboys down a peg, but they were already below the Niners in the power rankings. It's still San Francisco and Philadelphia, and right now the Niners just look overall smoother, better, more complete than the Eagles. That being said, I'm not sure last night taught us that about the 49ers. They are a cut above the Giants. The Giants were were shorthanded. It was on the road in a short week. This is kind of what we all expected. I mean, the line was 10 and a half. Ends up, Niners clear it well, easily, and beat them by 18. But everyone kind of knew this was a mismatch. And obviously, it played out that way last night. So I would say that... Yes, the 49ers are the best team right now in the NFC, but it didn't take last night to prove it. They just beat up on a team that's much less than them. And I think what you're also learning about the 49ers is the reason why they were so quick to get rid of Trey Lance, even for just a fourth rounder, is because despite the injury in the NFC Championship game last year, they are fully on board with Brock Hurdy's Brock Purdy's health and his ability to step in there and replicate what he did last season. Let's face it. There was plenty of us who wondered, is this Purdy thing really something that carries over to next year? Or is this just a young rookie flash in the pan, Cinderella story, and that it kind of turns into dust or the carriage turns into the pumpkin next year when there's a full off season to prepare, defensive coordinators have the film on him, people recognize his tendencies. Is this really something that carries over year to year? And so far, it has looked like that. Purdy's been very good in all three games. Last night, despite being under duress and under pressure all night by Wink Martindale's defense of the Giants, Purdy was calm delivered the football, made plays. They blitzed him on almost every drop back of the game. Almost every drop back. And he did not seem rattled. And so, yes, I think that for this 49ers team, and I talked about this earlier in the week, the Eagles got to the Super Bowl, didn't close, but proved to themselves they're good enough to be there. I think the 49ers are itching about an opportunity lost last year because Purdy didn't stay healthy in the NFC Championship game. 
I think there's so much confidence right now in San Francisco that this is the year that now we're now we have all of the pieces that maybe Jimmy G wasn't quite the elite guy that they needed to run the offense as smoothly as they wanted. They had gotten close, but no cigar. And then last year, they saw what they could truly be with a quarterback that could maximize the offense. And then it was ripped away from them in the NFC Championship game. I think the Niners are on a mission. And last night, they didn't even play a great game. And it was a blowout victory over the Giants. 855-212-4CBS. If you have thoughts on last night's Thursday nighter, 855-212-4227. Or on Twitter, DA on CBS. So the trading of Trey Lance is clearly the comfort of Brock Purdy. And right now, Shanahan and Lynch look validated in that comfort. Because Purdy, he is on point. He's on rhythm, he's on cadence, and he, and that's despite getting blitzed all night last night. They blitzed nearly 85% of the Niners' pass plays. Nearly 85% Purdy was under duress and still threw for 310 yards and two touchdowns. He's a guy that clearly is growing into that role very smoothly, and it's amazing considering where he was drafted and how he was overlooked. From a giant standpoint, look, they're not going to win much if they don't have their left tackle and running back. And they didn't want to pay Saquon Barkley, and I think they were right not to pay Saquon Barkley, but last night was a Saquon Barkley win because he's sitting on the sidelines and the Giants can't do anything, I mean anything, offensively. And Daniel Jones is going to fight this thing the rest of his career. That some days, some games, he looks dazzling. In some games, he has one garbage half and one great half, like last week against Arizona. And then on nights in prime time, when it's the only game on record, he is terrible. And I don't want to kill Daniel Jones for all of the problems last night because, again, when you don't have Saquon Barkley and you're going against one of the best defenses in football, perhaps the best on the road short week, bad things are going to happen. But you watch Jones last night and go, yeah, he ain't never going to be a top-five quarterback in the NFL no matter what his skill set is. And, yeah, against the very best in prime time is when he kind of gets exposed and now his Record in primetime games is 1-11 and as a starting quarterback. 1-11. and There's a good Jones, and there's a bad Jones. And last night, I think we saw a pretty bad Jones. In fact, out of the entire night last night for the, the Giants offense, they had only two drives that were longer than six plays. Two drives. One was eight, one was 12, and the 12 was the opening drive. Two drives that went more than six plays. They couldn't do anything last night. Bigger picture for the NFC is this Diggs injury. And, I mean, this guy is one of the best corners in football, and he is a crucial member of one of the best defenses in football. 
And Trayvon Diggs tears his ACL yesterday in practice, and now he's done for the season. That's a deafening blow to the Cowboys' chances. There's still Micah Parsons. There's still Stephon Gilmore. There's still that defensive line. There's still really good players on the D. And obviously, Dan Quinn's an excellent coordinator, and they should be good. But Trayvon Diggs, who is a dynamic playmaker, a ball hawk, an athletic corner in his prime, was a cornerstone foundational piece of trying to be the best defense in football, and now Diggs is done for the season. You cannot ignore the significance of this injury. Dak is over here as the guy that's supposed to limit mistakes and not put the offense and the team in bad positions because the defense is going to be able to keep you in most games. And the defense is supposed to be able to win some games of their own. And at this point in time, the defense has given up a total of 10 points through two games. Trayvon Diggs is one of the most important pieces of that defense. That's a blow. That's a significant blow to the Super Bowl chances of the Cowboys. Okay, we're off and running this morning here on a Friday morning. When we come back here on the show, we've got Soundcheck, your best audio of the day. Minka Fitzpatrick responds to those that say his hit on Nick Chubb was dirty. And Victor Cruz weighs in on the infamous Giants yacht photo. It's coming up next. DA, CBS Sports Radio. CBS presents this program in color. An educated person can't think he's going to get a recruit by uh, strippers coming in. They can fire you, but they can't eat you. And they run through our ass like through a tin horn, man, and we could not stop them. The audio you need to hear. It's DA Soundcheck. All right. Glad you're with us. You can always watch the show. You can watch at watchda.com. That's mobile friendly. Also on Twitch and also on YouTube. Soundcheck begins with Minka Fitzpatrick. After the hit on Nick Chubb as he went low and Chubb obviously tearing up his knee and is done for the season, people claiming on social media that Minka Fitzpatrick's hit was dirty. I, I'm on Twitter on Facebook right now. Minka responds. Unfortunately, it's, it's a part of the game that we play. Uh, this, I know people think I had ill will behind the tackle. It's, it's, this, this not the case whatsoever. Uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a guy that, that's a competitor that's going to go out there and play the game. I'm, I'm chippy, I'm edgy, of course, but I'm, I'm, not a, I'm not a dirty player. You know what I'm saying? I'm not going to sit here and defend my character. Um, I know the type of player I am. Chubb knows the type of player I am. I played against him for the past five years, twice, you know, two times a year. And, uh, you know, I love competing against him. Uh, he brings the best out of me, I bring, and I bring the best out of him. Uh, there's no, no chance that I would ever try and purposely injure somebody. There's no way that Minka Fitzpatrick should be blamed for this hit. These are high, high-speed collisions, fraction-of-a-second decisions, and players try to tackle ankles and lower bodies and legs and below the waist all of the time. You're asking defenders consistently not to go high, don't go high, no elbows, no shoulder pads, no shoulders, no helmets to the head, the upper body. So these guys are trained to keep going low, keep going low, keep going low. And since the dawn of time, what's been the calling card of 
NFL defenses or defenses in football. Low man wins. Low man wins. Low man wins. So here's a guy in Minka Fitzpatrick who goes low and, you know, he collides with the knee of a running back and the knee gets injured and he's supposed to be to blame. I just don't buy that. And it's a problem because today on social media, it's an emotional place with people that have no idea about the specifics of what's going on. And so, you know, you're Minka Fitzpatrick and inevitably you're just going to get bombarded by people on social media that think they know what they're talking about calling you dirty when in reality, it's the farthest thing from the truth. There is no blame that he should take for that hit. Andre Iguodala was asked on the Old Man of the Three podcast if the NBA expands... Who should get teams? Seattle and I'm going I'm going way left. Vancouver. I was gonna say that. Back in Vancouver. Yes. Van- yes. It was too early. It was too very too too early. Like you were we were talking. Yeah. Canada yeah. has a culture now. Uh, Canada. You look at the FIBA squad, it's like the West Indies, um, Jamaicans, like they've migrated and they've like Americanized Canada. Canada's ready. Like, Vancouver is incredible. Vancouver's one of the greatest cities in the world. So, I totally agree. Vancouver is one of the great cities. I had a chance to go there probably mm, 10 years ago or so. Spend some time there. Oh, it's gorgeous. It's international. It's clean. It's got amazing food. The the sight lines between the mountains and the coast is just everything. It's, it's fantastic. And I think that's true. The experiment in Vancouver was kind of the plug was pulled early, and there were some there were some things that were just out of out of the control of the fans themselves. But it made me think: if you gave an expansion team to Seattle, knowing how ravenous they used to be for the Supersonics, who would be the next city? I mean, Bogues, is it Vegas? Is it Nashville? I mean, the same kind of cities that we talk about with baseball. I guess. I haven't heard of any other really good pitches for another NBA expansion besides Seattle. Because I feel like Adam Silver keeps saying that they don't want to expand, but I would think Vegas would just have to be on top of everybody's list now because it just works. NHL went there first, has done great. WMA franchise is doing great. Raiders are obviously there now. Your sweet A is about to be there. Why they are my sweet A's. Why wouldn't the NBA... Bet your sweet A's. Yeah. Why wouldn't the NBA jump in that, in, into that that pool? If it's not Vegas, is there anything else that in another American city? I haven't heard any that spring to mind. Yeah. So, so Vancouver, I guess, does make sense. And I've only heard Nashville for... Um, baseball. For baseball. I mean, I, and I guess maybe you, you put a second Canadian team to give the Raptors some kind of national, natural rival, even though they'd be across conferences. I guess Kansas City has been kicked around because they have a downtown arena. They've been right. trying to lure some other team to downtown. But, yeah, I mean, Vancouver makes as much sense as the anything else, despite losing the Grizzlies a long time ago. Makes sense. Finally, Victor Cruz discusses the infamous Giants boat picture. Now, remember, this was the photo that precipitated the get away from me buddy now there's a lot of events that have to cascade but in 2016 the giants are going to play the packers in the wild card round 
Mraz is so incredibly confident about the Giants' chances. He says, I know the Giants will win. I will literally do anything, anything. You can put anything on the table. I will do it if the Giants lose. We say, okay, the Giants lose this game. You've got to dress in nothing but a pink Speedo. Go to Central Park. We're going to grease you down and put birdseed all over you and let the birds peck at you all day long. He says, fine, doesn't matter. The boat photo comes out right before that game. Bunch of guys hanging out on a boat in Florida before they got to go to Lambeau Field for a playoff game. The Giants get trucked. They lose. Mirage then has to finish the bet. He does. The next March, we are in Scottsdale, Arizona at a bar for the Final Four, which is in Phoenix, and we see Aaron Rodgers at the bar. We're a little tipsy. We, of course, have pictures and video of Mraz a couple of months earlier, maybe a month earlier because we paid that off maybe in March or something. And we're like, Rodgers is to blame for you losing the bet. So me and Kenny Brock say, yeah, Mraz, you should go show Rodgers this picture and tell him that you know he's to blame. And he does. Rodgers takes one look at Mraz and says, get away from me, buddy. And from then on, Mraz cast the spell, the jinx, that he would never win another playoff game. Now, he did win two playoff games ensuingly in that time, but he never went back to a Super Bowl. So the jinx perhaps still lives. Anyway, it all goes back to this Giants boat photo. Here's Victor Cruz talking about Odell Beckham's Timberlands on the Green Light with Chris Long podcast. Listen, we're playing in Philly for Christ's sake, and we literally drove back. You know, we took the uh, the train, I believe, back, and we're all on the train, like, yo, we're going to Miami, and I'm looking at guys like, guys, let's just wait a couple weeks. Like, we don't have to go right now. But then I'm also like, look, these kids are, they're also like locked in. Like, I, there was nothing I could tell them. Now I'm in the mode of like, I just got to go make sure they get back in one piece. Odell was a young guy. Wasn't he a rookie at that point? I, I mean, think it might have been his second year. I think it was his second year. And funny story was that when we flew to Miami, he was like, man, I don't have any shoes. And I was like, I only have these Tims for you. No. <laughs> so those are actually my boots that he's wearing in the photo, which is even, even better. It's an even better story, actually. What a humiliating moment in every single way that still haunts them eight years later. It's so humiliating. You would have wrapped up the regular season, clinched a playoff spot, are going to Lambeau in the travel is probably for a Sunday game. I forget if that was a Saturday or Sunday. I think it was a Saturday night maybe. But it was, it was my, a Sunday game. It was a Sunday. Yeah, I have their, their, uh, their game log up. Okay, so it was a Sunday game. Timeline. They probably traveled on Friday which means after playing the previous Sunday, they're organizing a trip to Florida on the one day off. The one. They might have a Tuesday off or something before they travel <laughs> back to New York to go through practices to then travel to Green Bay. And Cruz is like, can't we just wait a couple of weeks until we get beaten and the season's over? Can we just wait? And the guys are locked in, led by Odell. No, we're going to Florida. No, And then the balls on these guys <laughs> to be shirtless and taking photos on the boat. Let's not be discreet. Let's take photos on the boat before a playoff game on the road, and then you get your asses beat, and you look like a bunch of clowns. I mean, and also, that was a Coughlin team. No, McAdoo. No, it was, oh, was McAdoo's 11-win right. season. 
That was a McAdoo team. Right, because Coughlin would have never let something like that happen. Yeah, Coughlin would have rather been six feet under than half a team. Coughlin <laughs> might have was in Miami. Miami. <laughs> Coughlin was in Miami. That was McAdoo's first season. That was Ma So they thought they could do anything. They thought that they were king of the world. He was the beacon of hope, beacon of light. What yeah. a joke. What a complete joke. And that is your sound check. Who were the wide receivers anyway on that boat? It was Odell. <sighs> Who were those guys? I got the picture in Bunch front of me right of now. Actually. It was. I think Sterling Shepard was on that team. It was that long young, ago. Yeah, because Sterling Shepard's been on the team forever. Uh, him, Odell, and Cruz. And then there was but a couple of like. There, there, I think there were a couple of defenders on there too. Was there? Okay, had because it's like they like the Wu Tang. Yeah, great job defending. They did that game. <laughs> there was like eight or nine guys yeah. on that boat. <laughs> there was like a practice squad wide receiver. Unbelievable. <sighs> All right. Standing by with your headlines, here's a kind sir, Andrew Bogish. Speaking of wide receivers, uh, Jerry Rice did it, and now Christian McCaffrey's done it. Cloud Jennings and Debo, they break it. Debo goes in motion right behind Kittle. McCaffrey to the side. Inside gun run to McCaffrey. Touchdown! See! MC. That's Greg Papa, Niners Radio. McCaffrey matching Rice for the longest t TD streak in team history. 12 games, including the postseason. That's a huge honor. Um, you know, obviously scoring touchdowns is a team thing. Um, you know, O-line did a great job blocking. Just had to hit the hole. Um, but, yeah, that's a huge honor to be mentioned with somebody like that. CMC, 85 rushing yards plus five catches for 34 yards. Debo Samuel doing as much damage, six catches, a buck 29, and a score. Their Niners outgained the Giants 441 to 150 for a 30-12 home win on Thursday night football. San Francisco's 3-0 for the second time in 25 seasons. The Giants, meanwhile, are 1-2. No Saquon Barkley and no left tackle Andrew Thomas in issue as expected. And Wink Martindale's defense wasn't good enough again, letting the Niners convert 9 of 16 third downs. Barkley, by the way, told the Amazon Prime crew he does have a high ankle sprain, which we did not know. He still thinks he Oops. can face the Seahawks in two Mondays. I mean, and like they kind of said it in passing. Michaels did that that he had told Taylor Rooks that the night before, and that's pretty significant news because now we go back to like Sunday night Monday, and almost everything reported about this was wrong. Including it, Brian Dayball saying we haven't ruled him out. Right. It wasn't a high ankle sprain. Then may, he's going to be out three weeks. Then maybe he can play Thursday. Now he's going to maybe play next Monday. But it is a high ankle sprain. This is a mess. Yeah. Just a mess. Uh, Cowboys corner Trayvon Diggs, as DA's already mentioned, suffered a season-ending torn ACL in practice yesterday. And the Panthers are planning to start Andy Dalton Sunday against Seattle because of Bryce Young's ankle injury. To baseball and the problems continuing for the Chicago Cubs. 3-2 pitch. Palacio swings and sends one deep to right field. Suzuki back, and Palacios does it again. What a miracle player he is. Who is this guy? 
Yeah, let's not get too excited. Uh, he is the guy at least with a three-run homer to cap off an 8-6 win at Wrigley last night. The Cubs have now dropped 10 of 13. They fall into a tie with the Marlins for the last NL wildcard spot. The Phillies got by the Mets 5-4 for a three-game lead on Arizona atop the wildcard chase. And the Braves, 10-3 winners in Washington. Ronald Acuna Jr. still sitting on 39 homers, so no 40-60 season yet. But he did score his 140th run the most anyone has had in 16 seasons. In the AL, the Orioles lost in Cleveland 5-2, dropping their AL East lead on the Rays to a game and a half. And the Blue Jays lost at Yankee Stadium 5-3. They're now just a half game better than the Rangers and Mariners for the second AL wildcard. And Julie Ertz played her final game for the U.S. women's soccer team last night. She was subbed off to a standing O in the first half. Her teammates eventually beat South Africa in Cincinnati 3-zip. Sunday is Megan Rapinoe's finale. DA, back to you. I have the hit list of the guys on that boat. Odell, Carlos with the K is right, Sterling Shepard, Victor Cruz, wide receiver Roger Lewis, mm. and rapper Trey Songs. Trey Songs was on that on that boat. <laughs> yeah, that's right, that's DJ. That's crazy. That's right. Also, so they found Trey Songs. What's that? They had to find Trey Songs. <laughs> he wasn't. With, he didn't travel down with them. So they were like, not only we're we gonna make this trip. Who's the most famous hip-hop slash R&B person we could find? Trey Songz, all right, come on the boat. And that was also like three years late. To Trey Songz popularity? Trey Songz, yeah. I'm like, you just missed the window on that. Can I also say that EJ and Bogues on side B of the PGP this week was phenomenal. Yeah? Really, really, really good. Appreciate it. Number one, EJ goes deep cuts on comic books. And it's super deep. It's awesome. Teaches us all about Nightwing, which Hawk. I had no idea. You thought it was Nighthawk. It's Nightwing. Okay. Where Robin, the original Robin, has to break the chains to go become his own superhero. And EJ has a great comp. It's like Shaq and Kobe. <laughs> Kobe needs his own team. Kobe needs Shaq out of there. <laughs> love that. Then Bogues, love you, but says... You know, me and DA, we're nerds. We're losers. Yeah, like, hey, yeah. whoa, 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 whoa. Speak for yourself. I feel like I don't want to exactly <laughs> brand myself as a loser. But folks then says, they're still making comic books? Dude, it's like the biggest industry ever. No, Have no, you... I just thought we had a new character. I didn't know we were still, still firing out Batman stories. Yeah, well, I mean, Oof. look at these superhero movies. They make hundreds of millions of dollars. You got to pump out the comic books as well because now everybody's into the comic books. So EJ's still up to date on comic books, which is awesome. And then passingly, EJ goes, yeah, you know, I don't know. I might be considered kind of cool. I'm not, I don't really feel that way, but maybe it started in high school or when I played basketball against Kemba Walker. I'm like, wait a second, EJ hooped against Kemba Walker in high school? That is a fact. I mean, hooped is a... a kind word. I mean, our team got smoked by Rice High School, one of the best high schools <laughs> in New York City often, but I played in the Catholic League at St. Francis Prep. So our my junior senior year, we had four to five teams ranked nationally. We we they were really? they were great teams. Russ Smith, who played at Louisville, won a national championship. I played against and with Russ Smith since I was eleven years old. Um Sylvan Landsberg was a Virginia, you know, he was ACC player, a freshman of the year. He now plays overseas, played against him. So, yeah, I played against a lot of really great players here in the New York area. So, again, I don't know if that 
quantifies cool, but like <laughs> if I had to come up with a reason why, I'm like, I don't know, maybe it's an athletic background. I don't know. But you hit on something very important. That nerd culture today is now considered cool. And when you're growing up and you're a kid and you know everything about every comic book or video game or whatever, that's not seen necessarily as mainstream cool. But the Big Bang Theory, I don't know if it created this, but it tapped into this, that now comic book, science, anime, cartoon, video game, that is now the height of cool, which goes back to who was in the giraffe costume? Travis oh, Hunter. Travis Hunter, yeah. When Travis Hunter is on Twitch <laughs> in a giraffe onesie, nobody says Travis Hunter's not cool. Nobody's like, that guy's a nerd. So now all of that is is and you were just ahead of your time, EJ. Exactly. Is it like I said on the on the PGP, in some ways it's a revenge of the nerds. That's right. Because <laughs> you know, everything that like I trust me, when I was on those practices on those games, I wasn't chatting up, hey, you know, did you read the last uh Captain Marvel comic? Like that that wasn't <laughs> the were the conversations that practices are. That games. trash talk doesn't work oh. against Rice High School. No, definitely not. <laughs> what but, a long play, EJ. <laughs> Twenty years in the making. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Hey, I I'll take my prime whenever it comes. Yeah, it's a long play. But he's positioned himself well to be cool now. <laughs> Check out the PGP, the Permission Granted podcast, and Side B specifically between Bogues and EJ. Really good stuff. I felt like that was EJ's origin story. He's a super he's yes. A, he's a superhero <laughs> fan, a comic book guy. That was his origin story. When we come back here on the show, Colorado, Oregon, one of the most intriguing games tomorrow. What is the key? We'll discuss next. Da CBS Sports Radio. <laughs> Grab a surge protector. You're about to be zapped. I have a big wiener in my hand. It's DA on CBS Sports Radio. And a happy Friday morning to you, everybody. Thanks so much for joining us. You know, you could always listen to us on your smart speakers. Tell your smart speaker to play CBS Sports Radio. Fired up for tomorrow. What a great slate of college football action. Hopefully it'll live up to the billing. And one of the most interesting games of the week and of the day, top 20 matchup between Oregon and Colorado. This is a Pac-12 matchup before Colorado departs for the Big 12 and Oregon departs for the Big 10. This is a 3.30 Eastern kick at ABC. Next hour, we will do the Tasty Top 5. And today's Tasty Top 5 means something. Where do you rank all the good eating that's out there this weekend? I'll drop I will drop dead without those burritos. Got a lot of good burritos coming up tomorrow. This one's going to be one of them. And everybody is consumed by Colorado, understandably so. Consumed by Dion. Every week is another day in the soap opera of the Colorado Buffaloes. And they are 3-0 and ranked number 19 of the country. But let's be perfectly clear here. They ain't played anybody like Oregon yet. And they ain't played anybody like Bo Nix yet. And Colorado has just basically hit the perfect storm. They had this incredible non-conference schedule. And I say incredible just because there's been notable brands or off-the-field trash talk that has led to interest in each and every one of their first three games. They have not had one of these chump group of five FCS opponents, they begin with TCU, 
a non-conference game right now, but TCU happens to come off the national championship appearance. Then they have Nebraska, which Nebraska's been down for a long, long time, but Colorado-Nebraska has always meant something, and people still know of Nebraska. And then you have the Rocky Mountain Showdown against Colorado State, which has its inherent in-state juice, but then gets a whole different layer of interest when Jay Norvell says what he does. Plus, Colorado's won all three of the games, so it has just been a perfect storm of attention and hype and interest for Colorado. They have not had anything like Oregon. The Oregon Ducks are ranked number 10 in the country, and Bo Nix is a legitimate Heisman Trophy candidate. And the numbers Bo and the Oregon offense have put up so far to the season are extraordinary. Oregon is the second-ranked offense in the country. They average 587 yards per game. I'll say that again. Their offense averages 587 per game. They average, Bo Nix does, 358 yards through the air and 230 on the ground. They have put up 81 points against Portland State, 55 points against Hawaii, and 38 points against Texas Tech. Now, Colorado is probably better than Portland State and probably better than Hawaii. At the same time, what has been Colorado's problem? Defense. Pass defense. If you look at the numbers of the two games against the two teams that actually had a quarterback, Colorado had to eke out a victory in a shootout fashion. Chandler Morris, the quarterback of TCU, throws for 279 and two touchdowns, and TCU puts up 42 points in a loss. Last week against Colorado State, Braden Fowler Nicolosi, quarterback of the Rams, throws 367 and three touchdowns, and CSU puts up 35 points and has a double-digit lead in the fourth and goes to double OT. That's against Colorado State. The Achilles heel of Colorado has been its defense and its pass defense, and now you have one of the best quarterbacks of the nation. Feels like Bo Nix has been playing since the 90s. That's going to get a get a swing at this CU defense. I think they're in for a long day. I think they're in for a very, very long day. This one is also at Autzen Stadium, one of the best home field advantages in college football. I think there is a distinct possibility that you see kind of an exposure of what Colorado is, which is a wonderful quarterback in Shador Sanders. A team that obviously has guts, has battle, wants to be out there to compete, believes in each other, but is just outgunned by an Oregon team that's just better than them and playing at home and has a quarterback that's weapon is going up against directly the weakness of Colorado. If Colorado wins this football game, then Deion Sanders is a wizard. 
then what he's doing is totally inexplicable because there is no way to believe logically that Colorado should be in this game. And note that CU's without either its best player or its second best player with Travis Hunter out with the lacerated liver. So you are talking about one of its best players gone on the road, top 10 opponent, Heisman Trophy caliber quarterback. That strength is playing your weakness. Again, if Colorado wins this football game, then really there's nothing that that Dion can't do. I think that Bo Nix is going to have a big day. I think the offense is going to have a big day. And the only way that Colorado is in this game is if Shador Sanders has himself just an otherworldly day. And he's had a couple of really good ones. Really, really good ones. But this would be a kind of a next-level type of performance by Sanders and by that offense. This is going to take a Shador Sanders throwing for 480, four touchdowns, and there's just a couple of turnovers that Colorado gets. Now, this is where they've made their money is that they've given up yards, they've given up points, but in crucial situations, they've pulled off some big turnovers. If Bo Nix does not throw interceptions, Oregon is going to win this football game. The only way Colorado wins is if they force bad plays, mistakes, and turnovers from Bo Nix and that Oregon offense. But I can tell you this. If Oregon has zero turnovers in the game, there's 0% chance that they lose. That's the only equalizer that Colorado is going to have on the defensive side of the football against that attack. Now, Colorado has a really good offense themselves. Again, losing Travis Hunter is a big blow. But it's, they just haven't faced anybody like Bo Nix in Oregon. It is just one of many really, really good, tasty matchups coming up tomorrow, which we will do in the tasty top five a little bit later on in the show. But remember, there's Florida State Clemson as an early noon kickoff. There's Cincinnati opening up its Big 12 lives against Oklahoma and Nippert Stadium. There's Colorado against Oregon, a top 20 matchup. UCLA-Utah is a top 25 matchup. Ole Miss and Lane Kiffin traveling to Tuscaloosa to take on Alabama when Laney Boy desperately needs a win over Nick Saban when Ole Miss is actually cooking right now. Later on in the day, you have the Pac-2 matchup of Oregon State-Washington State. Both those teams are ranked. And then the big one at night is Ohio State-Notre Dame from South Bend. So last week I told you on a Saturday, get your stuff done around the house because the matchups are not supposed to be that good. They weren't. Some of the games were, but a lot because the good teams played down to the competition. Tomorrow's a lot different. Clear the cows. Good football day and night. When we come back here on the show, Trayvon Diggs gone for the season. How does that affect the Cowboys' chances? DA, CBS Sports Radio.